Hello everyone, my name is Adam Hoffman, I'm head of Middle East Desk at Wikistrat, and this is another episode of the Wikistrat podcast. I'm very happy to be here today to invite to our podcast an expert in Saudi foreign policy, Dr. Neil Quilliam. Neil Quilliam is an associate fellow uh, with the Middle East and North Africa program at Chatham House and an expert on the Gulf states. And today we're going to uh, discuss Saudi-Taliban relations in light of the, Saudi, uh, the Taliban takeover um, of Kabul. So, Nils, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on board this podcast and to uh, be able to share your insights with your with our audience today. Just to uh, start off with, you know, the Taliban uh, takeover of Kabul, which we've seen last week. In a recent Wiki Strategy report, you mentioned that Saudi efforts to influence the Taliban have ultimately failed. So, if you could maybe take us a few steps uh, back and discuss these efforts, how uh, Saudi Arabia has tried to influence uh, the Taliban in which ways, and that really played out in terms of recent events. Of course, I mean Saudi Arabia and the Emirates were, you know, two of the Gulf states that recognized the Taliban when it took over Afghanistan or it swept through Afghanistan in the, you know, early to mid 1990s, and for, you know, until 2001 at least it you know it cultivated and developed quite well very close relations and and part of that had been you know predicated upon its engagement in Afghanistan during the the Soviet period that 10 year period when the Soviets um were physically involved in the conflict and it had, you know had engaged in the country and Saudi Arabia alongside other actors including the US had sort of you know worked closely with different groups, the Mujahideen, as they were called back then, of which the Taliban was a sort of a later emergent in the, in the 90s. So it had, it had developed and cultivated you know, a close working relationship with lots of different groups in Afghanistan, which ultimately kind of you know, culminated in working with, with, with the Taliban. But after after 9-11, I mean, that, you know, that was a sort of watershed moment and sort of coming up, you know, for the past 20 years, that relationship has, you know, clearly undergone a sort of quite a significant metamorphosis where, you know, Saudi Arabia started to distance itself necessarily from the Taliban and from its, its former engagement in Afghanistan. And, you know, that, that's part of a long sort of history, but it had to walk much, much closer with the US and demonstrate part of its credentials of actually fighting extremism. It had its own issues to deal with in, you know, the early 2000s. So it became, you know, it, it almost swung, you know, sort of 180 degrees from position of recognizing and working with the Taliban to, to sort of seeing the Taliban as you know a group that almost constituted not a threat in real terms but you know it could challenge the sort of saudi legitimacy so it, it went through this you know 180 degrees sort of spin if you like until it came out on the other side and looking at more recent events of the past uh, few years in the context of the u.s presence in Afghanistan following 9-11. So how do you see the Saudi efforts to influence the Taliban in its latest incarnation in a sense? So, I mean, it has tried to work with, I mean, these terms are all sort of complicated and pejorative, so I'm, I'm just I'm just going to use them, but they need to be heavily caveated, caveated. You know, they have tried to work with more moderate elements 
of the talent, they have tried to sort of, you know, peel away some of the younger generation talibs, if you like, to try to sort of foster and, and develop an alternative to, to the sort of, I guess, the mainstream leadership. But, but you know, they've, they've, had, they've had limited success in doing that. I mean, gone are the days when, you know, they had quite effectively sort of penetrated Afghanistan. I'm sure, again, talking to the sort of, you know, the, the sort of Soviet days, 79 to 89, where their where their ability or their reach into the country has has more or less been light touch, and because it's light touch, it's effectively been burnt. So their ability to to influence or to shape the direction of the Taliban or shape, you know, the thinking has has really diminished over those 20 years. It's, you know, they're, they're a peripheral player. And of course, what we've seen, you know, as, as a counterpoint to that has been sort of, you know, the cutteries have been much more effective at sort of working, you know, working that piece. Certainly over the last, you know, the last decade, I think there was almost, I mean, you couldn't describe it as that, but there was almost like a tag team or almost like a relay race where, you know, the, the cutteries sort of picked up the baton and have developed and cultivated those relations. And, and, and naturally, you know, owing to the stresses and strains and the and the relations between Doha and and Riyadh since 2014, which you know came to a sort of a, a close of sorts this January, you you can see how that that sort of tension between those two countries and their relations with the Taliban would sort of play out in all sorts of arenas. So in terms of uh, managing Qatar here, we do seem to see the Taliban to be uh, today to be a more sophisticated political player with relations with uh, China and Russia, most notably. So does that also include any kind of maybe covert contacts with Saudi or any attempts to build some kind of re renewed relationship with uh, today's Saudi, building on the legacy of the 1980s and 1990s? Or is it mostly, you know, looking at the Gulf states, mostly with uh, Qatar today? I mean, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure whether the Taliban is that much more sophisticated or not. I think, you know, time, time will tell. I think sort of surface level analysis does give that impression, but, you know, I, I think we need to wait a good few months until that really kind of, you know, is, is borne out. But, but definitely sort of, you know, Qatar kind of holds the ring on the relationship amongst, you know, the Gulf, Gulf Arab states. That's, Obviously, you know, they've, they've been accommodating Taliban leadership in Doha, you know, for at least a, a good decade. So they, they've got quite, you know, obviously deep connections there and can work that relationship. I think the Saudis have been very much on the, on the periphery. I don't know, and I couldn't say with any authority that, that you know, that they've reached out and that they've, they've tried to reconnect. I, I imagine that <clears throat> for the most part, they are just sitting on the sidelines watching what's happening at the moment they may be put, putting some feelers out but but again it would probably be feelers to some of those sort of putative relationships that they've developed with sort of you know the more moderate sort of elements or the more moderate factions but that wouldn't amount to giving them any form of leverage certainly not not at this stage and i can't imagine they would they would want to accumulate too much leverage until things look you know really quite different i mean there's a lot to play out yet so I think the Saudis are probably sort of just sitting on the sitting on the sidelines, and 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 to be quite blunt, just wondering what to do. Okay, I was actually just about to ask you where do you see Saudi and Taliban relations going forward? If you look at any reality which has, you know, emerged in the sense since last week, so 
do you think that Saudis will try to sit it out to, to see where things might be headed in the next few months or so, or try to maybe take a more proactive role in this kind of developing reality? I can't imagine that they're going to want to sort of rush in at the moment. I think it, it would be very much that sort of, you know, let's watch, wait and see. I mean, if one looks at Qatar at the moment, you know, and, and a lot of the positive coverage that Qatar's getting for, for managing this relationship, I think it could get I think it could get quite nasty and quite complicated. And I think Qatar could find itself, you know, with badly burnt fingers and you know, four or five months time or, or or even longer, it might be able to sort of help deliver to the US and to the international community a sort of more moderated and more sophisticated, as you suggested, sort of Taliban. But that's certainly not, you know, certainly not a given. So there could be some, you know, some form of blowback to Qatar in terms of its relations with regional players and the international community. And I think that, you know, the Saudis will be cognizant of that so much more, much more likely to sort of sit on the side, sit, sit on the margins. And of course, I mean, what's, what's key as well for, for Saudi Arabia, and, and particularly, I think, for Crown Prince, you know, Mohammed bin Salman is, you know, he has been pushing a different sort of domestic social agenda for the past few years. And, and part of his, you know, raison d'etre, if you like, in positioning Saudi to the rest of the world is, Saudi is really quite different. It's undergoing this, you know, significant social change. It's opening up. It's going to become, you know, a, re a major regional sort of economic hub. So in a way, by by cultivating and developing relations with with the Taliban, when so much is unknown about it at the moment, other than what we know, would seem like a high risk um, strategy. So probably much safer. Fit on the sidelines. Let's see how this plays out. Okay, understood. And uh, you just mentioned uh, efforts, reform efforts in Saudi in the last few years. So, how do you see what do you see as the implications of the Taliban takeover of Kabul last week for the Gulf states and particularly for Saudi Arabia? The, again, you know, the, there's there's a there's a lot to to play out yet in in Afghanistan, and and it's it, it's difficult to sort of envisage how that's going to sweep across. But I mean, you know. MBS has introduced these sort of, I mean, they are far reaching in terms of Saudi reforms. There may be sort of challenges from the Taliban. It's not, it's not sure. I mean, sort of, you know, over, over legitimacy, but, but I mean, the Taliban, as far as I can see, you know, are essentially an, you know, a nationalist group. They may, they may have sort of transnational dimensions to them, but you know, they're effectively a group that's focused on Afghanistan. So I don't necessarily see them sort of putting out messages challenging the legitimacy of the al Saud, you know, to rule Saudi Arabia and, you know, be custodian of the two holy places, et cetera, et cetera. But I, but I would also think that, you know, a lot of the Saudi population, a lot of Saudi youth are probably thinking, wow, we're glad we got this guy in control, you know, MBS, whether we love him or not, we're much more comfortable with the social reforms and the change that's taking place in our country, even if it's going a little too fast for us, than what we're likely to see in, you know, in Afghanistan, so in, so in fact, it it could actually reinforce you know some of the sort of changes or, or the sense that M MBS has in terms of validating his push to change the country. It might be you know what's going on in Afghanistan if it does turn as ugly as as I would expect it to do might sort of serve as a reminder. Well, you know we we were never quite like that. 
but our country is definitely moving, you know, from point A to point B. Okay, I see. Fascinating. So, in a sense, it will allow Saudi to position itself as more modern, pushing some of the, you know, Wahhabi image, so to speak, behind it, as, as MBS was trying to make this the case, you know, um, two or three years ago. Is that what you're Thanks. implying? Exactly. No, exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to say, but you've put it much more eloquently and in a much more Thank succinct you. fashion. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so also be interesting to see how it impacts, you know, the current Saudi regime's uh, legitimacy and standing, in a sense, uh, moving forward. And also looking now at U.S.-Saudi relations, given the dramatic uh, events we've been seeing and still seeing in Afghanistan in the past week or so, including the false capital to the Taliban, but also uh, mainly the U.S. withdrawal from the country, which has been long expected. So how do you see a Saudi-U.S. relations in light of a U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan? I mean, I don't think it's going to impact the relationship directly at the moment in, 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 a, in, in a sort of way that, that we can see. But certainly, I think, you know, it, it will compound concerns and fears in a neom where, you know, Mohammed bin Salman has been shored up for the past year that, you know, the U.S. as a, you know, as, as, as a partner, as a reliable security guarantor partner, I guess it's, it probably calls that into question in his mind and and it's done so for some you know for some time and there have been concerns about you know is the us withdrawing what does that mean what does that look like i think the nature of the withdrawal will probably yeah be a major cause for concern should you know should that happen in the gulf region you know, there'll be concerns about what that actually means in terms of yemen you know will the saudis just suddenly be left to manage the mess in Yemen without, you know, substantive sort of U.S. support in terms, you know, whether that's sort of military, diplomatic, or whatever terms that comes in, I think I think that 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 will be the sort of the major concern from the Saudi side of things. I'm not sure that we'll see any manifestation of of that in the relationship in the, you know, in in, in the sort of the immediate term. Although I think the Saudis will be looking for you know, reassurances from the U.S. that that Biden's sort of hard-nosed realism isn't going to necessarily sort of you know move across into the into the Gulf. And I imagine that the Saudis, you know, sitting on sitting on their oil wealth, will will feel somewhat comforted that you know they do probably constitute, if it's not a vital interest to to, to U.S. policy, and I'm sure some would argue it is, but it's you know it's a very important interest. Whereas you know in the overall picture whether one likes it or not, Afghanistan does not constitute a vital interest, as Biden has made clear. Okay, understood. So these are basically all of the questions I wanted to, to cover with you. Are there any final comments you'd like to make to our listeners in terms of how Saudi is perceiving the situation, the whole situation in Afghanistan, how the Taliban might try to diversify its uh, contacts with the United States or any other points um, in this context? Not really. I mean, I I just don't think that the Saudis have a you know a sort of a sh- off the shelf answer or response to what's to what's going on. Unsurprisingly, a lot. I mean, a lot of a lot of countries don't have that. So I imagine that you know what what's taking place amongst the senior leadership and in you know the the various kind of key ministries is just just sort of you know rallying of sort of decision makers trying you know trying trying to come to some kind of evaluation point sort of consider you know to what extent do they resurrect 
some of those relationships or reinvigorate some of those relationships in Afghanistan. But at the same time, sort of, you know, keeping a careful eye on what, you know, what Qatar's doing. And, and obviously it will mean, you know, that relationship with Qatar will probably become increasingly important for the Saudis because they may in fact want to use Doha for some time, you know, in terms of sort of mediation. So Al-Ula will probably bear some fruit for the Saudis going forward. That's actually fascinating because you just drew a direct line between the Doha agreement signed between former President Trump and more recently as, as the resolution of the Gulf dispute. So in a sense, everything has its regional implications as well, also in the Gulf. Absolutely. Okay, so thank you, Neil, so much for your time for this, for this uh, fascinating interview. And we always uh, enjoy receiving your insights and sharing them with our uh, listeners. So have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.